You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy in the show, Locked On Horns. With me today, you got Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12 joining me. Going to help break down some of the, the latest happenings on the 40 acres. Just want to remind you this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You're going to get 20% off your next order. So let's uh, let's dive into it, Josh. First off, thanks for thanks for uh, I guess returning the favor. I've been on your show twice now, so now we're going to get you over here on the Locked On Horns podcast. My big question, with all the rumors and everything that's going on, uh, what was your what's your initial reaction to hearing Urban Meyer is has punted on the idea of joining Texas? Uh, just, there's so many different ways to go at this because the situation I felt like, you know, you and I had talked about this at length is that it was coming to a head, especially after the Iowa state game, uh, and a game where, you know, they, they needed to win to keep their big 12 champion. They, they get the inside track there. And the fact that this weekend you pair that their you know, huge victory, which we'll talk about the fact that Crystal Conte apparently was there and, you know, the urban Meyer news was swirling. And then we had this you know, with that he is no longer interested in health reasons. And there's, you know, a lot of different stuff there about why, you know, what's happening and what, what the real reasons are. Uh, you're just confusion because you think about Tom Herman and the systemic issues that are going on, right? Like the recruiting and the results, uh, you know, kind of mixed together and how hit or miss the results have been, plus the uh, tough recruiting, you know, losing recruits you're confused because you don't really know where to go. Right. You you can, there's a a case to keep Tom Herman pandemic contract buyout. You know, there's no viable candidate. Obviously it's a lot of money to pay. And, you know, you try to weigh that with the, with results and the results in the games and recruiting. So I think it's just, you kind of almost toss your hands up in the air and say, well, uh, you know, reset because urban felt like it was a foregone conclusion almost right i mean it felt like this was trending one way and uh, tom herman was taking care of his end of things by losing games he needed to win so uh, it it felt like it was heading one way and now it's it's not and you kind of take a step back and say okay whoa we got to reassess this what's the best way to go yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head you know tom herman was doing his part not just losing football games uh losing a game against tcu you have no business losing uh you can chalk up the Oklahoma game to, to a coin toss, right? You know, a couple things go differently. Maybe they win that football game. Maybe you go for two at the end of regulation uh, rather than kick the field goal, try to win the game there. You know, th- there's a multitude of things. And then for them to lose a game against Iowa State that uh, for, what, three quarters of that game, you could say Tom Herman was out coaching Matt Campbell. I mean, it, it, the – the, the reason why I was so uh, on board with Urban is you look just let's just talk about that game in, in particular. They had the lead with four minutes left. And during that game, Matt Campbell's defense could not stop Brennan Eagles. The only person that could stop Brennan Eagles was Tom Herman. And he did by stop throwing to him. And he got one target 
in the fourth quarter uh, after catching four passes for 120-something yards, I think. It was 127 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, so when when you look at all of those things, or actually he didn't have a touchdown that game, but uh, when you look at all he of domi- those things. He dominated that game. He dominated. He dominated. I mean, yeah. they couldn't – he they couldn't was their him. deep threat. Yeah, he couldn't cover him. And that, that's the thing. That's my thing with Tom Herman is Tom, all you, if you're going, if you're game planning against the Texas Longhorns, you just got to wait for Tom Herman to outcoach himself. I mean, he, he will outsmart himself. Uh, and you saw it. Uh, stop going to Brandon Eagles. But even in the, towards the end of the game, four minutes left, eat some clock, and they throw two balls on second and then third down that didn't force. Iowa State to use a single timeout, and then Brees Hall does what Brees Hall does. He eventually broke through, got a touchdown. They win the football game, and Texas is on the outside looking in. And even when you look at what TCU did against Oklahoma State on Saturday, that that just adds to it, right? Because it's another failed opportunity where they had this great chance in front of them, and they let it go by the wayside. And and that's why I was so in on Urban Meyer. Uh, another reason is there were two things that I've said recently. If you read Longhorns Wire. Uh, USA Today. Com, I said Tom Herman had two two things: win football games, don't lose Quinn Ewers. You know, basically get back to the Big Twelve Championship, don't lose Quinn Ewers. And he failed at both of them, and he failed miserably. And, and now. Quinn Ewers is going to Ohio State. And Ohio State has come into Texas and taken all of the top talent. And and so the thing that Tom Herman did well to start his his, uh, tenure at Texas was recruit. And now he can't do that, and he can't win football games. So it leads me to believe that he's not the man for the job, but yet now – that Urban Meyer said no, and there was this open flirtation. I mean, it, it was not a secret. Everybody knew what, what Texas was doing, and, and now they have to go back to Tom Herman. Is this a, is this a slap in the face? Because it feels like – this feels like a marriage, and your wife has said, look, I need a break. Uh, maybe we should see other people. That other person didn't want to see her, and now she's coming back. I mean, that's what it feels like, right? Yeah, I think for Tom Herman, though, he can't he can't look at it like that. He should be very grateful he has this job still because, you know, he was allowed to hire two new coordinators, and like you you don't always get that chance, right? I mean, as a coach, you don't always get the chance unless the guy goes takes another job, and that usually means that you know things are going the right way and not the wrong right. way. You know, well, even even Chris Del Conte said you get one chance at this. Right to, to turn over your uh, your staff. All right. Before I continue my conversation with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big Twelve, just want to remind you that on a Monday, after a crazy weekend filled with Tom Herman rumors with Urban Meyer rumors, with the game, and you need to chill out, you always got to reach for the beer that's made to chill. I'm talking that ice-cold Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You get that right from the rocky taste. It's cold-filtered, cold-lagered. 
it is made to chill and it is the beer that you should go to when you need to just chill out or if you're watching some Monday Night Football or maybe you're a Cowboys fan and you're going to watch some Tuesday Night Football as they take on the Ravens, reach into your fridge for that beer that's made to chill. We're talking Coors Light. Great thing, you don't have to go anywhere. You can get it delivered right to you. All you got to do is go to get.coorslight.com. You can have it sent right to you, but get, get that beer that is made to chill. But as always, enjoy that beer and celebrate responsibly with the beer that's made to chill. And we're talking Coors Light. All right, before we continue that conversation on the Texas Longhorns with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12, I just want to remind you to join us on Tuesday's episode where we're going to get into some hoops talk with Ari Temkin of Sirius XM. He is the host of the Big 12 radio show on Sirius XM Channel 84, as well as doing some shows with ESPNU. Uh, so definitely check out that show on Tuesday on the Locked On Horns, and check out every day Locked On Horns wherever you get your podcast. And he did. And so you and I have I talked agree. about this, too. You and I talked about this, too, how it, that was a sign to me that this probably wasn't going to work because the pressure that was on Herman to win immediately, plus adding new coordinators, it, the math doesn't work out because, you know, sometimes bringing coordinators in, it takes more time. And I think especially we've seen that on offense, like Chris Ash actually has done a very good job. I think for the most part, Chris Ash, like you see the defense improving and look, the Iowa state game, they got, I mean, that last drive was awful from Texas, but for a majority of the game, th- their defense played great. Like that, that game in the end, Texas, the, the defense let them down, but the defense was not the problem. The offense should have put that game away, given them, you know, uh, a couple score lead a couple times in that third and fourth quarter that should have iced the game. And, you know, they had the turn- two turnovers on downs for Texas. They don't. And that's what I'm talking about. Like it, it's going to take some time with that stuff. Um, but the issue is, you know, you look at the, like going back to the results thing, like there, there's a certain results that you see repeat or like repeatedly. And it's those losses to, you know, to like the loss to Iowa state, Iowa State's a damn good football team, but you had them and you should have won that game. Uh, you know, the Oklahoma state win does not look as good that game against, uh, they should have lost Texas tech, to be honest. You know, the TCU loss, another game you said you can't lose those games. Like, we keep doing that. You keep doing this over and over again. And it's, there's some point, you know, th- there's so much narrative goes into college football, but, like, we you have to n- not allow those games like an Oklahoma State win to change your view of how things are, you know, systemically and, and from a broader picture, right? Great, you beat Oklahoma State, but guys are still opting out and you're still losing recruits, right? I mean, it's it's it doesn't change the you – know, wins can change that stuff in the long term, but that kind of win in that season when you've already lost to OU, you've already lost to TCU, it's not, it doesn't change a whole lot for you. Like this win this week, I mean, it, you know, it's hilarious that it came here and the narrative is going to shift. Well, you know, maybe you should give Tom Merrill another chance. There's still a six and three unranked football team. And it's University of Texas. And that's the problem, right? Is that like it's University of Texas should not be six and three and unranked. They like, you know, well, they want to they want to be OU where it's a down year is right now. You know, it's a down year and they're six and right. two. That's where they want right. to be, and they're not. Right, but they are ranked now. I mean, no, if, yeah, if they're ranked now. Yes, yes, but I'm saying, you know, like having to beat time, Kansas right. State. Yeah, having to thump Kansas State, and you know, to get yourself ranked. And I mean, they're, you know, I, I think they're probably pretty squarely the third best team in the conference. 
but they shouldn't be. They should, you know, they should be one or two in their opinion. And I don't know if they can get back there. I don't, that's, that's a whole other issue, but Tom Herman's not the guy clearly to get them back there. No. And, and like you said, we're going to talk about Kansas state here just a second, but this, this is an interesting stat since Sam Ellinger made that statement in 2018, you know, the statement that we've seen the memes. Oh yeah. Tom Herman is 0-6 against TCU, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. That I mean, you can understand the Oklahoma game because it's a rivalry and 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 rivalries can go one way or the other, but it's been trending Oklahoma's way for a mm-hmm. while. It, it's not just a Tom Herman thing. Um, you know, they've gone one and four in his tenure against them. Uh, but you can't lose those games. But the I guess if there's a positive is you beat kansas state for the fourth year in a row i mean tom herman is four no against them so i mean it's that's a great positive right uh but before we get into that game the big thing that i'm having a problem with is like you said the opinions of games right and, and we're talking about uh if you know you won an oklahoma state game you won a kansas state game and i heard the opinions that if tom herman wins this game against kansas state then he's going to keep his job. I heard those opinions. And my first thought to that, if that is your basis for an argument, if he beats Kansas State, then go ahead and keep him. Because if if you're looking at everything going on and you have the opinion, you actually put together this thought that if he beats Kansas State, he should keep his job. Well, if that's the case, let him keep his job regardless because losing and recruiting constantly – losing to your rivals, playing for one Big 12 championship in four years isn't enough, then keep him because obviously football is not important to you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, the, the, the strong argument really is the, is the contract, the buyout, and the, and the circumstances is the fact that we're in a situation where, you know, there's a pandemic going on, it has financially hurt a lot of schools, and this coach has $25 million buyout – and without a candidate, you know, without, without somebody that you are 110% sure and everybody is behind and, you know, the people with money are behind to make the right financial, you know, contributions to make a $25 million, $25 million buyout plus getting whatever coach you want to get, you know, that, that contribution, then that's the argument to make. Like I, I you know, if, if that's the deal, yeah, that makes sense, right? If, if you can't, if, if it's too much to stomach money wise and it doesn't make, seem like the right move, I understand that. The, the, the question then, the conversation would then be, well, why are you in this situation to begin with? You know what I mean? Well, now you're in a situation they're, in the, they're in this situation because they gave Tom Herman a, an extension after two years. That, that's why they're in this situation. But let's, let's talk about Kansas State for a minute. I wanted to touch on yeah. this a little bit because they did just win this game. Um, this is supposed to be a victory Monday, not overreaction Monday, uh, as we typically do after a loss. Uh but let's talk about that game. Where has this team been all year? <laughs> the team that put up 69 points. Now, you can make the argument that Kansas State is bad, and you would not be wrong. You don't lose five straight football games if you're not bad. But we saw up-tempo offense to where the point that Kansas State couldn't keep up, uh, and we saw them finally uh, feed the ball to Bijan Robinson. Now, he only had nine carries in the game, 12 touches overall. But every time that he touched the ball, something electric happened. Uh, so so just looking at that, uh, what were some of your big takeaways from the game against Kansas State? Uh, they established it, man. They established that run, and they ran to the tune of 10 yards per carry. Uh, they ran for seven touchdowns in the ground. 
And what was impressive about this was you know, the commitment to it. They score in the first five drives of the first half, first six drives of the second half, I believe. They score in all of those those 11 drives. They started the first half well, started the second half well as, you know, in addition. And that was the kind of effort that I think, you know, people were looking to see. Um, they beat down a team that they should have beaten down. And this offensive explosion felt like it was also, you know, some frustration from the Iowa State game that they were getting out, uh, you know, of, of playing at some points well offensively, but not being able to capitalize and get the, uh, you know, point return that they should have been getting. So I thought about that. And I just think, you know, the way they, they kind of put them in the rear view um, and, you know, ended up, I guess, being up what, you know, two scores at halftime. And then it, they, they put pedal to the metal in the second half and really blew them out from there. I, I love that about, about what Texas you know, did this week. Uh, and with all the negative energy too, I think there is something to be said for with all the negative energy with guys leaving and, you know, losing that Iowa state game to come out and respond like this. I was uber impressed. Yeah. Uh, I think playing the young guys, uh, you talk about Jaron Thompson recorded his first interception, David Gabinga, who had to come into the game because Juwan Mitchell got, uh, ejected from the game again, uh, much like he did against TCU for targeting. Uh, you know, so I think the young guys stepping up, uh, Andre Carrick came in after Derek Kerstetter went down with the broken leg and, and dislocated ankle. Uh, he came in, he played 26 snaps at left tackle, didn't allow a single pressure. Uh, that's from a freshman. Jake Majors looked good up front. So you're seeing some of the young guys were, were getting in there and, and doing a lot. And obviously we know about Bijan. I mean, he's a freshman, but he doesn't play like one. Uh, because he's special, man. He is, he's a special talent back there and people clamoring for him to get the ball more. I've been right. I mean, you can just, it's, it's electric when he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, if, if you pay attention to Longhorns network, uh, on their pre and post game show, they, they have dubbed him little Ricky, uh, (laughs) you know? So, uh, I mean, if they're, if they're calling you little Ricky Williams, uh, you're special, uh, Mm -hmm. cause he definitely was a special back. And it's just interesting because both, both of them came from the West Coast area. Obviously, Ricky Williams from San Diego. Um, and then uh, Bijan coming from Tucson area. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it's one of the great things of watching him play. And But but it's one of those things where, yeah, you, I think you're right when you say that they took out frustration. But I also think that it's frustrating for the fan bases uh, when you see that. And when you see Texas come out and put up. 69 points, which is the, by far the most points that they have scored in a single game since 2005 Big 12 championship when Texas beat a Joel Klatt-led Colorado Buffaloes 70-3 to in the Big 12 championship. That's, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, but, you know, there's not a whole lot you can take away from that game, mostly because Kansas State is bad, and, and hopefully the game on Saturday is going to happen with Kansas because I think it's going to be a similar thing. Uh, I saw that MGM had them favored by 29 and a half points. And I expect that to grow uh, as the week goes on. Yeah, I don't I think, despite what Kansas did against Texas tech, holding them a six, what a points. miserable football game. What a miserable, miserable football game. Uh, that, it, that was a tough, tough one to watch. And, you know, I know for all the coach talk that we talk with the Longhorns, um, maybe not Matt Wells being in trouble, but David Yost, the offense coordinator, uh yeah you might you might get tim beck to end uh, on out of there all 
All right, before I continue my conversation with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12, I just want to remind you that you can get the great tasting built bar if you're still stuck inside during this pandemic and you want to get healthier eat, healthier snacks. The best way to do it is at built bar. Head on over to builtbar.com. Use a promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. You're getting 20% off of their 18 delicious flavors. They're 12 original. And then they have six that are that are newer. You got to try those out. Uh, they definitely help me with keeping my energy up, uh, cutting those cravings, you know, and they're 100% chocolate, less sugar, less carbs. Absolutely fantastic. All natural ingredients. Best way to do it. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKED. You're getting 20% off so you can save a little bit of money and get a lot healthier while you're doing it. All right, but let's uh, let's switch gears real quick. We are going to talk about let's talk about some possible names of who could uh, be the next head coach at the University of Texas. Uh, I'm chatting here with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big Twelve. All right, Josh. So the name Urban Meyer obviously was the big one. Right. Uh, Kurt Bowles of the Austin American Statesman came out today and said that he spoke with a high-ranking official with Florida, Dan Mullen. 0.0% chance. I think if he leaves, he's going to the NFL. I, I don't think that he would take another head coaching job outside of Florida, mostly because I kind of feel like that was his dream job. Who are some names that you would consider? Uh, obviously, Matt Campbell is one that I've heard at length. And I think if he beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, that only strengthens his resume to say, look, I took a much less talented team than Texas has built a five-star culture, and I won a Big 12 championship, something that Texas cannot claim since 2009. Uh, is that the next big name, or are, do you got some other guys that you, you talk I'd say to? Matt, Matt Campbell should be number one because – a couple of things. One, he's in your conference, which means he's in your area of the country. And what he's built, they're like, he's getting this talent and developing it. And there's, there's a couple of things about that. One, he can recruit and be competitive in a in a landscape in college football recruiting. It's changing. Uh, the regionalization of recruiting, we've talked about this a bunch, is changing so much in college football. I mean, think about the two best quarterback prospects in the entire country last year. Bryce uh, Bryce Young and then DJ Uyunglele are both from Southern California. One is at Clemson, one is at Alabama. It is now a national uh, it is, you know, a national deal. This the recruiting is, uh, it always has been, but now much more so. So I think Matt Campbell understands it also too, if that is the case and you, and other teams are coming to Texas and getting some of those guys, Matt Campbell at a program like Iowa state shows that you can do more with less. You just have to recognize when you have less, uh, and in terms of talent and then accommodate that with good coaching, uh, you know, fundamentals, things of that nature. We see that with Iowa State's defense a lot, right? Like that is a, you know, maybe not, I mean, this defense does have some freaks, but like for the guys who aren't, uh, you know, those physical freaks, they've got a lot of good tacklers and a lot of guys who just understand, you know, a lot of good corners, good ball skills, guys who aren't the greatest athletes in the world, but do their best to play, you know, as a team in the secondary. Knowing how to do that stuff is really important in my opinion. And I think Matt Campbell embodies so much of that the one issue here being would he leave to go to a team in the same conference would he feel like that would 
he's almost undermined what he built at Iowa State and are then trying to go and beat them because obviously he cares very much about what he built at Iowa State. He's, he's been, you know, spoken at length about it. But I think the fact that you're seeing uh, Matt Campbell accomplish the things that Texas wants to accomplish at a school in your conference is a very good impetus to go after him and try to get him to, to come to Texas. I think it's a perfect fit. I, I think it's a perfect fit because he's doing the things that you want to do. Yeah, that's true. And, and let's let's remember that it is extremely hard to recruit in Ames, Iowa. Um, yes. you know, it, it, they're not uh, they're not Iowa. Right. They're not a Big Ten uh, smash mouth team that, you know, has a reputation. I mean, we're talking about Iowa State. Uh, they're playing for their first conference championship or have the chance to win their first conference championships. Nineteen twelve. Let me just tell you, nineteen twelve. Let me Wrigley Field wasn't even built then. Okay. The Titanic just sunk. So that tells you how long ago uh, it, it's been for Iowa State. And he's accomplishing something that that's never been accomplished uh, there. And so if he can do it there, just imagine if you take a five star culture and you mix it with five star players, well, what he can do. I mean, you have to think about it. I think on his team, he has two four star recruits. That's it. Texas has like 40 of them. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think in what he's doing with Brees Hall is what people want B. John Robinson to do. Just absolutely just destroy people. And I love Brees Hall. Don't get me wrong. But I think B. John is even more physical. I mean, he's got the physicality. He's got the shiftiness. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he has the speed, too. Uh, as they, as Kansas State uh, saw on that 75-yard run where he kept his balance and kept on going. Matt Campbell's a name we've heard. Uh, Mario Cristobal out of Oregon. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> that, one that one I don't the know reason, about. <laughs> the reason why I bring him up is Duke can recruit. Duke can recruit yes. with the best of them. Where did he learn how to do that? Oh, under Nick Saban at Alabama. Uh, you know, so he's a name that – Maybe not as as highly regarded, but might be an option. Uh, I think if he could win the Rose Bowl this year, uh, maybe that helps him a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not even good. sure they're gonna have a chance. Yeah, I'm not even sure they're gonna have a chance to do it. I mean, it's they, not looking good right now. Yeah, I think the the other name, you know, when you think about the guys, I saw Sark was brought up, and the reason why Sark is so interesting is that the personal baggage is there, and mm-hmm. you know, no, no matter how far you remove from it, you are. He was at a major program and made some very costly mistakes. And uh, I, you know, we all hope that those things that personally have changed for him, the it's almost like Lane Kiffin, despite the baggage, there's no denying that he is one of the best play callers in college football. He is of that tier of guy where the creativity meets the understanding of talent meets the, okay, where, you know, where am I best? Where are we weakest? Like I, you, like I'll be honest. I think Bryce Young might be the best quarterback on Alabama. doesn't matter because they've got a great offensive line and Sark, you know, is basically just saying, all right, we can go out there and Mac, you can sling it. Like, you, you know, you don't have to be some, you know, you don't have to be Tom Brady out there. You don't, you don't, you don't have to be Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's just, you can just tell the, the guy's understanding level on that offense. Like they all work in concert so well together and that's coaching. Like they don't make mistakes on offense. They just don't. You know, the, the games that have been close this year for Alabama, um, and, you know, particularly, I guess, the Ole Miss game, I mean, they, 
The, yeah, I mean, the Alabama gained every single yard possible except uh, they, uh, except for 40, I believe. There were only 40 possible extra yards that Alabama could have gained in that game and that they didn't gain. So they, like, no, we don't think anybody's going to stop them. <laughs> we, and, and I think with that, you know, he might not have that level off the bat at Texas, but he can definitely develop it. And he's got something to show kids all over the country and say, look, this offense I built. Um, you know, you're, you are of this talent level, right? You, you know, you, to the kids who are like Jalen Waddles and I know Devonte Smith might be like a unicorn and he might be very special, but the guys who are of that high class, your B. John Robinsons of the world, he can pitch to him and say, look what I built. I will, you will get the shine. You will get the stage. You will get, you know, to, to be part of this high wire act that we're going to run at Texas. And I, I, you know, I think the personal stuff, obviously you wonder about still, you know, cause in a pre- high pressure situation where you're the head coach at this major program, could some of that stuff creep back up? I don't know. It's, it's a personal thing, but from a coaching standpoint, I mean, he's a home run. He's a home run type of coach. And he will get the type of quarterbacks that Texas is not used to getting. Um, I mean, if you look at Mac, Mac Jones, I think he was a three-star recruit um, right. and look what he turned him into, you know, he's yeah. developed him. Uh, so I agree hundred percent on that, but you know, those are just some of the names and I'm sure as time goes by, uh, we will hear more about that, but I want to thank Josh for hopping on the show today. Make sure you are checking out locked on big 12 Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the locked on Longhorns podcast. And we will see you tomorrow. Well, the wait is almost over. The 2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready for a special week of shows beginning December 14th. The previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, including the Locked On Mavs, plus waiver wire editions from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast.